This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Thursday night edition of the show. Excited to be with you. We have lots to talk about, including what's going on with Saquon Barkley. He speaks, and I want to hear what you have to say at 1-800-919-3776. Also via X, formerly known as Twitter. At hardest to ESPN at ESPN NY 98 underscore seven FM along with Joe and Harvey. We're here until 10 o'clock. Then it's the legendary Pat O'Keefe on 987 ESPN in New York. Michael K show did a tremendous job at Jets camp. Tremendous. Got a lot of insight. Uh, Robert Sala is uh, smooth. <laughs> smooth. Uh, I wonder what I would love to be a fly on the wall in the Sala household when the Sean Payton comments were mentioned. I would love to hear what he had. I would love to have been a fly on the, in the household wall. Get Robert in Sala. a fight. Yeah, that's what that, you know. Them's fighting words. Them's fighting words. In the words of the late Bernie Mac, gonna be some furniture moving up in here when those two get together. <laughs> uh, we'll talk Jets a little later in the show. Uh, We'll talk a little baseball a little later in the show. Yankees have the night off as they head to Baltimore. All eyes will be at Camden Yards tomorrow to see Aaron Judge. Is he DH? Is he in the outfield? We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. But because we, the guys did such a great job on the Jets, I want to start with the New York football Giants. Because Saquon Barkley spoke. And I've been waiting for this, and I want to hear from the Giant fans. So you guys line up, 1-800-919-3776. All right, here's what Saquon Barkley said on being back with the New York football Giants. Um, How does it feel to be here? feels good. Um, Good to be back in the locker room. Uh, Good to see familiar faces uh, within the facility. Um, I'm doing what I love. Here's Saquon on reporting to camp and accepting the one-year deal. I had an epiphany. No, the, the reality of it is, is one, I kind of just followed my heart. Obviously, I've, I heard what everyone was saying in, in the news or social media, but I kind of just followed my heart. Um, and then, you know, you got to look at it as a business point uh, from a business view. Well, I felt like what's the best thing that I can do? Um, and some people may agree or disagree with this. And, you know, to sit out or sit in. And I feel like for this year specifically, the best thing that I can do um, for myself would be coming back, uh, going out there, play the game that I love, playing for my teammates, um, doing something I want to do since I was a little kid. And I understand I know what's going on with the running back situation and me being tagged and the value of the running back continue going down. Um, only way that I feel like, you know, someone that's, that's going to change, uh, someone got to make a change. And God willing, hopefully I could be one of those people. All right, Saquon, did you consider sitting out of camp? Yeah, I was. Um, that's a play that I have. Um, but I'll be completely honest. Uh, if I sat out this year and say if the, the New York football Giants and I sat out and we didn't have a good record, you think that's going to make another team in free agency or the Giants want to have me come back the next year after I sat out, sat out a whole year and be like, oh, we want to give you $15 million a year now. Like, I don't think... I don't think that's how it's going to work. And after, you know, having conversations and really breaking it down, when you sit there and you break it down like that, you like, the you know, only way that I'm going to make a change or do something that's going to, you know, 
benefit for myself and my family is doing what I do best. And that's showing up, playing the game I love. Wow, that's interesting. So most of us thought that he would not sit out. And most of us thought he would not sit out because of the situation with Le'Veon Bell, right? Jet fans understood what happened. Now, part of the situation with Le'Veon Bell, the reason why he didn't look great, Adam Gase has to take some accountability there. He didn't want him and didn't want to use him and didn't know how to use him. So that's part of the reason that Le'Veon Bell looked the way he did in the Jet uniform. The other part of it was he lost a year. And you would think, hey, logically, he lost a year. That's great. In the sense of, well, he didn't get hit. He didn't, there's no bruises on his body. He wasn't gassed. He's not, he's full of energy. His legs are great. He's going to be good. But I think it's something with the timing. I think when you lose that, 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 Ability, not not losing the ability, but just having a timing that it takes much longer for you to gain that back of what is to being in football shape and doing the cuts and moves and things that you that you normally do. But for Saquon Barkley, so that's part of it, I believe. But the other part of it was from a business standpoint. Why would I sit out? What is that going to do for me? Does that increase my ability to make money? Is Does that help me? make the contract that I may want down the line? Because then what is that going to say about my reputation to other teams in the National Football League? It says to them that, well, okay, yeah, there's a love of money. Where's the loyalty? And it's so funny, right? It's so funny that athletes have to really think about everything. And you heard in one of his earlier comments, right, that he was aware of what was said on social media. So he was aware. He's listening. He's taking it all in. He was making, you know, understanding how all sides were in this situation. So it was fascinating to hear his thought process as far as sitting out as opposed to not sitting out. But really, I just, from all I've known and heard about him and the people who I speak to who know him, I had no doubt that he would not sit out. Now, he thought about it and you think about all options when you're in the negotiating posture. It is no different than you negotiating at your job as far as tactics. Hopefully money, I hope it's it's close. <laughs> but I mean, as far as tactics are concerned and strategies, that's what you try to do. It's a negotiating ploy. What are all my options to try to get what I want or to at least have them come a little bit over to my side? Interesting. Uh, Saquon, did the legacy of the running back position factor into you reporting to camp? We'll hear from Saquon in a second. So, here he is. 100% that factors into it. That's who I am to the core. That's who I am to the pet as a competitor. But at the same time, legacy goes in with just a position too. And I know how great this position been. I know how helpful this position are to teams um, throughout the throughout the league. And when you talk about legacy, it's on guys like myself. It's on guys like Christian. It's on guys like JT and Najee um, for us to go out there and and change the narrative. Everyone want to bring up data. Everyone want to bring up analytics. You could bring up each way, you know, for both sides. Um, but if all of us go out there, God willing, stay healthy and do what we got to do. 
But how do you change that narrative? See, that's the question. How do you change that narrative to make it so teams see you as being vital as you get older, right? How do you change that narrative that we look at you on your individual statistics as opposed to the position you play and what normally happens to those who play your position when you hit a certain age? How do you change that narrative? Obviously, to go out there, right, and do the best you can and and meet the, you know, the incentives that are in your contract and get that team to the playoffs, okay? And then, see, I'm at this age and I could do that. You put these, what some people say, are very, very high incentives, tough to meet incentives. Yeah, but I did that and I knocked it out of the park and this is what I did and I proved to you only to get the franchise tag next year. Because <laughs> think about this. If he didn't get, and I don't know how many years he wanted, but if he didn't get the contract he wanted coming after the season he had last year where he was 40% of the offense, right? Then if he's, and in theory, he should be less of the offense this year because the team has more weapons, right? So if he has less an influence, less production, less percentage of success and production on this offense because they don't need him as much, then where are his negotiating tools for next season? When he's going to be a year older. Does not the NFL front office say about running backs? Well, look at what he did last year. Man, what a fantastic year. But he's a year older. Do we really expect that he's going to be the same player this year that he was last year? Uh, Quoting Batman, riddle me this. You're saying that the leading rusher in Jacobs in the National Football League is probably not going to be the leading rusher in the NFL this year, so he's going to take a step back. So you know what? We're not signing him. Well, what happens if your quarterback play is better and you don't rely as much on the run, but he's still very effective? How does that work? And once again, let's make it clear, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about Saquon Barkley, but this is not just how the Giants operate. This is a league matter. All teams are doing it. All teams. That's how the league looks at the running back position in the National Football League. Saquon, how challenging was it seeing your teammates get paid big money before you? No, because uh, at the end of the day, uh, anybody who knows me, I, I'm all about my teammates and my brothers getting paid. I'm all about success coming to them. Uh, even though my situation didn't go uh, the way that I would like it to go, uh, Andrew Thomas signed a big deal, Daniel signed a big deal, Dex signed a big deal. Uh, that's deserving. Those guys deserve it. Um, I'm so happy for them. And you see out throughout the league, there's people that get paid every single year, and I'm happy for those guys too. But what I will say for the running back position, um, not speaking necessarily on 
my teammates that got signed. There's a lot of running backs out here that are a pivotal a key point to having teams have success in this league and helping teams have success in this league. And the, the, the way that we are getting devalued, I don't think it's, it's not fair at all. Um, but life's not fair, and, you know, hopefully, God willing, I stay healthy so I can show them better than I can tell them. And once again, I have no doubt that Saquon Barkley, when healthy, will be outstanding. He is. The knock against him has been his availability. And you saw what he was able to do last year when he was available. So he'll be fine. He's in camp. He's made his decision. And no, I expect what he said. I expect nothing less from Saquon Barkley. What he said. Of course, he doesn't. He's not. There's no animosity towards his teammates. There's none. This is a business. It is unfortunately position based, and the only thing that he and the other running backs can do around the National Football League is understand. This is how it is, and you may have to take a step back and take the multi-year deal for less money and deal with the guaranteed money and then really work to add the incentives to try to make it back. That's the only way you can do it. Unless you're with a team that's like the Titans and Derrick Henry, where he is the guy. The guy. And there's no question. When That is not a running back by committee team. It's the Derrick Henry show. If you're in that situation, then you have more leverage. Other than that, if you're Saquon Barkley, if you're Jacobs, if you're Mixon, if you're other, other, all the other running backs in the National Football League, here's what you have to understand. I have to make it almost impossible for them to take me off the field. I have to be so good that I am. you, you can't get me off the field. And then hopefully we'll slide the pay scale up a little bit. Hopefully. That's all you can do. That's what Saquon's doing. Giant fans, what do you think about your team this year? How successful do you think they will be? What are some of the positions that you're concerned about with this Giants team? 1-800-919-3776. We'll come back and take your phone calls next. It's Hardesty for Grasso on 98.7 ESPN. If he killed somebody, that family would go, you know, but Larry's such a nice guy. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. I saw some reports of Daniel Jones building a little chemistry with uh, Darren Waller. I tell you, Darren Waller, six foot six. He could really cause havoc. If they find a way to get him, if he stays healthy and you're able to build a little chemistry, that would make a big difference. Other than the running back, tight end, best friend for quarterback. Best friend. And we know how prolific Waller can be. We do. He's a really good player. Really good player. So uh, it's, it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm very curious to see how this Giants offense goes. Defensively, I think they'll be okay. I do. I think they'll be okay. I have a lot of confidence in Wake Martindale and, and what he's able to do with his defenses and the different schemes and things that he, he puts his guys in great position. 
And when you have athleticism on the on the defense, he loves to put in certain – And I mean, all teams do it, clearly. But when you watch what he was able to do with Baltimore, you have there's, – there's, there's people who do it and there's people who do it better. And he's one of those guys that you really are impressed with the different schemes and tasks that he assigns certain people to where you don't know who's coming and where they're coming from. And so uh, I really liked what he was able to do last season defensively. And let's face it, the defense last year was very good. It's one of the reasons they were able to stay close and win some of those games because of the fact that the offense, you know, they weren't scoring a bunch of sevens. They may get threes, but they got field goals. They got points. But maybe not touchdowns as much as you'd want. But they ate up the clock a little bit. They moved the ball down the field, and their defense kept those teams off the board. Or if they did score, they didn't score much. And then when the Giants were able to score, get down and and get into the red zone or get to a late field goal, they won some games. Now, will they be able to do the same thing this year? Well, I know teams are going to make adjustments. Everybody makes adjustments. I mean, week to week, game by game, quarter to quarter, play to play. Everybody makes adjustments in the National Football League. But to see just how what Martindale is able to do with that giant defense, and yeah, I know linebacker is an issue and some of the secondary is a little bit of an issue, but I think he does a really good job in hiding things and getting things done and making quarterbacks have to make quick decisions. So you can ask from your defensive coordinator. Spikes in St. Pete. Spikes start us off on 98.7 ESPN. Well, I'm here again waiting for you. I got a friend went to the Giant. Uh, I guess they let people in for the uh, oh, yeah. you know training team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and he mentioned the same thing about the tight end Walla and the six five six six and uh, Daniel Jones. Say, look, Saquon's a great kid. We all know that going in. I don't buy that story, and I'm not a contrarian. You know that. I kind of I'm wrong a lot. But I'm not a contrarian. I, I just can't believe Saquon Barkley or his agent or a combination of the two of them, whoever he's getting advice for, would turn down 20-some-odd million in guaranteed money, understanding the gravity or lack of gravity of that position. It's just unfortunate that uh, it's it's changed since we were well, I was younger and you were younger. It just changed. It'll shift back. Everything does. But he told me he spoke to the dean, I guess the dean of writers, the Rich Semini for the Jets would be Paul Schwartz for the Giants, mm-hmm. I guess. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess he told, I don't know, I, he said he talked to a, a senior writer from the Post. I guess it's him. And mm-hmm. he thinks there's a, it's a motion offense. The coach really, you know, curtailed Jones from what I watched last year. You know, but I said the other night to you, a little bit I know about football, there's motion. And either one of those two guys in the backfield can crack a run open for 20, 30, 40 yards. Mm -hmm. They both get into high gear real fast. And I see with Jones, too, if he doesn't turn the ball over, which I think he has under control, coach has to get some credit, and he has a 6'5", 6'6", guy going over the middle, and maybe he'll get a guy on the outside that can, you know, take the top off. They did score a lot more points this year. The defense, uh, I didn't see the defense. They only let you stay for a while. I don't know how that works. But I want to throw one baseball question at sure, you because I'm, I'm, yeah, a guy asked me this. He says, ask Larry. I don't know the answer to it. Gary Sheffield lives in this area. He's in the Tampa side. He has 500 home runs, almost a 400 on base percentage, almost a 300 batting average, off a few points. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, why, why isn't he in the Hall of Fame? The only other That's one is question. Manny Ramirez. Why isn't he in? Was he a bad guy or what? Uh, no, I don't think he was a bad guy, Spike. Thanks for the phone call. He did have he had some pretty good numbers. There's no question. You just alluded to them. I mean, you know, I don't know why, to be honest. I really don't. I really don't know why. Um, he was uh, – listen, I covered him when he was with the Yankees, and he nobody swung harder <laughs> than Gary Sheffield. And when he connected the ball – you talk about exit velo. That guy. That guy. not Maybe not launch angle because his he had line drives that left the ballpark, but exit velo, whoo, he was a guy that really, really hit the ball hard. But I really don't know why he's not in the Hall of Fame. I don't know. It's a good question. 1-800-919-3776. We'll take more of your calls next on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Mets and Nationals no score as we move to the bottom of the second out at City Field. Yankees have the night off as they prepare for the tough stretch. This is that stretch I've been talking about for a minute. It's beginning tomorrow night at Baltimore for three. Home for Tampa, who's struggling. Then four with Houston. How will they fare? And right in the middle of the Tampa series, trade deadline. The rumors are endless. (laughs) Endless. I've seen names that there's no way they're not even thinking about coming to the Yankees. Endless. Don't see a lot happening for the Mets, though. Nobody knows what's going on with the Mets yet. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Head back to the phones. 1-800-919-3776. Tommy's in Long Island. What's up, Tommy? Hello, my friend. I got to ask about, do you think the Mets can get maybe three out of four in Washington and we go to the Royals, no, we're home for the Royals, and sweep them? What do you think about that? And I got a question about the Jets. What's going on? Yeah. All right, Tommy, let me answer the first one first. Uh, Okay. Four with Washington. Look, Tommy, I would think Senga tonight, Scherzer tomorrow, Carrasco and Verlander. I would like to think three or four. I would love to think three or four. I mean, you know, I I hope. Uh, Kansas City, after watching them play the Yankees, Kansas City is bad. You got Quintana, Senga, and Scherzer in that series. Thanks for the phone call, Tommy. Why can't you take three from Kansas City? I mean, why can't they, over the next seven games, considering who the opponents are, you mean to tell me this Met team can't take six of seven? They sh- I, I'll accept five of seven. That's what I'll accept. Five of seven. Now, remember, I wanted them to be at 500 by the trade deadline because then I think you have a scenario where, okay, let's really, all right, we're at 500, let's go. Let's let's add a bullpen piece, minimum. Let's add another bullpen piece, minimum. And then we'll see where we go. Could they use another bat? Absolutely. But at minimum, 
Let's add a bullpen piece if you're at 500. They're not going to be at 500. I don't see them being at 500 by the, by, by the first now. Okay? They're not going to be there. So if they're a game under, do you make that move? That's why, that's why it's so critical to understand where the front office is. They have to make a decision. Where is this team at the end of this series in Washington? against Washington, Sunday night, right? Sunday night after the Washington game is over. Sunday night after the game is over. It's a 140 game. The front office has to make a decision where this team is going to be. Monday, what are we doing? What are we doing? Who are we targeting? What are we willing to give up? Are we buyers or are we sellers? They're more, they play more like sellers. I mean, honestly, there's no way any Met fan thought this team was going to be under 500 on August 1st. And that's where they're headed. Under 500 on August 1st. A 101 win team the, the last year. Under 500 on the trade deadline day. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know. Once again, you know me, I'm leaning towards hanging in. I'm leaning. I would make my decision on August 1st as to whether I think I'm, I'm done, that my playoff, my playoff hopes are gone, or I'm still hanging on by a thread. I know you guys are like, Larry, you are out of your mind. Larry, what are you doing? Larry, let it go. This is not a playoff team. Let it go. And you see them hit like they did last night. And you see them, you know, I mean, McNeil, whom I really am not a big fan of in the outfield, I got to give him credit. He made, he made very good plays last night. I got to give him credit. He did an outstanding job last night in the outfield. Takes a home run away from Torres. Falls down, makes a great catch. Almost throws the runner out at home. I, I give him credit. Gets hit, gets hit a lot. Yeah, he got hit tonight. You know, I'm, I'm a little disappointed in the average because I expected him to build on what he had last year. I expect him to be the the, the leading hitter in the, in the um, to win another NL batting crown. No, but I expected more than what he's given me this year. He hasn't hit well. His defensive play hasn't been bad. He just hasn't hit, and he's like a bunch of other people in his lineup that hasn't hit consistently. So that's the issue for me with him. Marte, I don't know what's I don't know. I mean, the migraines, he's been out of the lineup. He disappointing. I don't know. Is it the situation with the injuries? I don't know. The surgery offseason? Questions. All I got is questions. <laughs> that's all I got. That's all I got for you. Questions about this med team. Tommy, you also wanted to talk about Sean Payton, and we'll do a little bit more about that at the top of the hour, but it's really rare. Why are you why are you worried about what's going on with the Jets? You got enough to worry about. You got enough to worry about in Denver. I mean, I thought members of the coaching fraternity didn't snipe at each other like this, at least publicly. I, I'm surprised. In in preseason. 
Like, who cares what Sean Payton thinks? Worry about fixing Russell Wilson. <laughs> See if you can get him back to where he was. And listen, nobody's going to say that what we saw in Denver in watching the team, not there every day, but what we saw in Denver watching the team, nobody's going to say that Nathaniel Hackett won coach of the year last year. Nobody's going to say that. But he's not the head coach of the Jets. He's the offensive coordinator of the Jets. And here's the only thing that matters. Aaron Rodgers believes in him. Well, if Aaron Rodgers believes in Nathaniel Hackett and Aaron Rodgers wanted Nathaniel Hackett and Aaron Rodgers got Nathaniel Hackett, then Aaron Rodgers is happy with Nathaniel Hackett. And as Sean Payton understands from his offensive coordinator days with the New York football giants and from calling the plays with a very, very talented quarterback in Drew Brees down in New Orleans. That's really all that matters. It's really all that matters that you have the confidence of your quarterback. Hackett's got that with Roger, so everything's good. More of your calls are next on 98.7 ESPN. Lose and put me out of my misery. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Chilling with you via X, formerly Twitter, at hardest the ESPN at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. Also via the phones at 1-800-919-3776. Mets had a chance to score. Bases loaded. <clears throat> Nothing. That Larry, is incorrect. And you think they're going to win five of seven and they get the bases loaded and can't score against Washington? <clears throat> You're not wrong. These are the conversations. Can I let you in? I'll get to the phones in a second. Can I let you in, ladies and gentlemen? These are the conversations I have with myself all the time. There's Larry, the Met fan. And then there's Larry, the host on 98.7 ESPN. And we constantly debate. Constantly. Sometimes, Jeanette, my wife, says, who are you talking to? In there? <laughs> I'm like, uh, uh, television. Television. TV's on. TV's on. Will you pick it up? You know, we're just, I'm just having that conversation. I'm debating. And I debate. We debate all the time. The fan against the host guy. Knicks, too. Same way with Knicks. Fan against the host guy. And, and it's even worse basketball-wise because I was a hack playing basketball. But, you know, but because you're a hack doesn't mean that you don't think you know. Right? So that's even worse because then the fan really, the fan, Larry the fan really battles Larry the host. Let it ride! I mean, we, we go at it sometimes. Watching games? Not <laughs> really the fans like, what are you doing? What is that? What? So this is a constant debate. Constant. And right now you look I'm looking at this and I'm just like, what do you what 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 is what? You gotta be able to score runs. This is the Washington Nationals. Are you really do you really want to? 
get to do you really want management to do what needs to be done to add to this team? It's in your hands. It really is. What do I always tell you, ladies and gentlemen, about athletes? Control what you can control. Quarterbacks, you can't control this, you can't control that. Here's what you can control. You can control not turning the football over. <laughs> you can control throwing the ball out of bounds. You can control, wow, that looks like double coverage. You cannot stare at the secondary and and stare your your to your receiver to predetermine where you're going. Like you have control over that. You can really do that. Like you could look him off and come back to him. You know the route. <laughs> Why are you staring at him? You know the route. Look and come back. If he's not there, then go somewhere else. You know where everybody's supposed to be. You're the quarterback. You, you guys get what I'm saying? So these are the debates that Larry the Fan and Larry the Talk Show host have all the time. Let's go to the phones. 1-800-919-3776. Let's head to West Orange. That's where Ben is hanging out listening to 9870. What's up, Ben? Hey, how's it going? Good. So I wanted to talk a little bit of Yankees uh, trade deadline because it seems like Cashman's starting to get back to his old ways a little bit. Now, wait a minute. When you say old ways, what do you mean? Is this good old ways or bad old ways? Well, can you really say there was a good old ways? Well, he's made some deadline. Well, he's made some deadline deals, Ben, that have been pretty good. So, you know, that's That's why I'm not sure which way you're going. Let, let me let me offer a little more context. Okay, got we've it. had we've had, we've had a hole in left field. Let's say the outfield to be more broad since last year, and he's put off making that addition, especially in the sense of a contact bat, even more so a left-handed bat. And we just we haven't gotten it. We've we've stuck too much to a high walk rate, hard hit exit velocity, and these guys are still striking out. And now you hear that Cashman has interest in Seth Brown from the Oakland Athletics, who is batting 196 this year. He's got a decent on decent on bases, kind of a little bit of a over-exaggeration. And his walk rate's decent. But he's a lefty bat, so that covers it. But if you look at his spray charts, he's pulling everything, and he's got a low at bat. He's got a, a low um, contact rate. So, yeah, he's, he looks like he's trying to fit that mold of walk, walk rate high, power lefty bat to try and get it over the short porch into the into right field but we need a contact bat and we have that option from Cody Bellinger or Brandon Donovan from the Cardinals and it looks like he's just trying to get the budget option with the same analytics out, outlook that's been getting us nowhere for the past four years so here's what I'm hearing from you I'm hearing from you that First of all, can I can I make this clear to you? Can I be honest sure with you? And I'm not a Yankee fan. But after Montas, I wouldn't deal with the A's anymore. I'm just saying. I agree. I'm I just agree. saying. There's nothing. That, first, after Sonny Gray and after Montas, I wouldn't deal with the A's anymore because they sent you damaged goods in Montas. Now, you're supposed yep. to do your physical and figure out what's going on. Did you know? Whatever. I don't know. But that move did not work out. This mo- I don't I don't know that there's got to be somebody better, Ben. Thanks for the phone call. There's got to be somebody better that you can get that is you know has more that's going to give you more production, okay, than what 
Brown is doing. Now, in punching up his numbers, I, you know, I got to tell you, 10 home runs? Where are we at? 188 at-bats, 37 hits, 28 uh, RBI, 20 walks, 63 strikeouts, uh, OPS of 278, averaging 197. I, 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 it's not, it doesn't look great to me. <laughs> I I wouldn't be in a rush to 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 add him. Okay? And and I get we're not looking at averages. I understand that. It's the new it's it's the new era in baseball. We're not dealing with averages. It's not about the average. It's not about the average. Well, 278 OPS is is not good. <laughs> it's not. It's not what you want. So there's got to be something else. I get that you want, I get it's a lefty. I get that he plays left field. I understand. But can I just, I'm not, it, it, look, Cashman knows a gazillion more things about baseball than I do. A gazillion. But there's been two guys who's been here. Sonny Gray, who couldn't play in New York. Montas, who's been injured and hasn't played in New York. Why do you think? And maybe he would. Maybe he'll be great. I don't know. So let me ask it this way. What steps have you taken to make sure that this guy will produce once he gets here? You've already seen Oakland is not New York. It's not. So hopefully if you make the deal, I hope that you've done your due diligence. I hope you sent a shrink out there to figure out whether he can handle it, whether he could make it here. Analytics, maybe you say, well, you know, the, look at the stadium he's hitting in. He's hitting in the short fourth here. He could double his home run total. He could do this. He could do that. But I'm just saying, it's it's, it's 188 at-bats, 37 hits, 20, 28 runs batted in, 20 walks. I mean, 20 walks is okay, but 63 strikeouts. He's not making a lot of contact. Are you sure that's what you want? I don't know. Joe Harvey, you guys are Yankee fans. Does this guy say, "Woo, we got to go get him? Seth Brown jump out at you there, Joe? He currently fits into the current Yankee mold, but doesn't seem like a difference maker, no. Harvey, you don't want somebody that fits into the current Yankee mold because that's the issue you got. That's why you're trying to get somebody else. The current Yankee mold is moldy. (laughs) And I, I, I swear to goodness, I didn't know who this person was until you mentioned them just now. As per Brendan Cuddy, does a great job covering the Yankees. Baltimore Series will decide how much they buy. He says they are unwilling to trade top prospects. So Dominguez and Pereira, specifically Dominguez and Pereira, not expected to add much, if any, payroll. Could deal from bullpen depth. 
not much major league talent they want to trade that has enough value. He's right. What do you have on this Yankee roster that other people would want other than depth in your bullpen? Not much, right? Not a whole lot. That's why you're in the situation you're in now. But you've got some bullpen pieces that could help you out. And the question, so that translates to me, ladies and gentlemen, unwilling to trade top prospects. No Juan Soto. Not on August 1st. (laughs) Now that could change depending on what the negotiations are. That's the intent. As of right now, we don't want, we really don't want to trade these two guys. We really don't. But it doesn't mean they're untouchable. It means that they are, you're reluctant to let them go right now. Not untouchable. I mean, Judge is untouchable. Everybody else not. Okay. I mean, could you do, could you see a deal with Glaber Torres and the bullpen piece and maybe one of the two? I mean, because after all, you got a bunch of uh, infielders, a bunch. You got a bunch. And all of them are not going to play. This just in. one 800 We'll continue our conversation next on 98.7 ESPN, New York. Like if he just mowed people down, he would right. be one of the guys that said, I, I, I would never right. think.